This is episode 15 of the Rising Man podcast with David Lyon. Do you believe in magic? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rising Man podcast. I'm your host and the creator of this show, Jetty Azuma. Grateful to have you here. If it's your first time, welcome. Always glad to have new sets of ears listening in. I've got some really exciting announcements I want to share with you guys before we jump into this episode this week. First of all, we're coming up on June, and everybody knows that in June, here in the States, we celebrate Father's Day. But since we're doing the Rising Man podcast and we're representing men all over the world, I decided that we need a whole month to celebrate the fathers out there. So we're going to be celebrating Father's Month in the month of June. And I'm not going to give away everything right now. You guys got to stay tuned. But there are some special announcements to follow, some special additional content that's going to be coming your way, specifically in the realm of fatherhood. So all you fathers out there, or men who are thinking about becoming fathers, or men who have a father, <laughs> uh, stay tuned, because there's going to be a lot of great stuff coming up in the month of June. And as I always like to mention on the top of the show, if you guys have not yet joined the Rising Man Facebook group, we're growing every single day. I keep getting more requests every single day from new men, other men who are starting to bring their brothers and their homies into the group, and the conversations are really starting to deepen at this point. So if you have not joined the Facebook group yet, you can check out the link on the website, uh, or you can go right to facebook.com slash groups slash The Rising Man. Get yourself in there today, fellas. You won't regret it. And one last thing I want to mention before we get into the episode is the more feedback I get from men who are sending in comments about the show and telling me that they got an amazing pearl of wisdom from that episode with Preston or, you know, that one episode with Cam, he really had some great points that changed my whole perspective on things. I love hearing those comments. Please keep sending those comments and feedback my way because number one, it inspires me to keep doing what I do. I'm not short of any inspiration right now, but it always, always, always feels good for me to know how this stuff is landing for you guys. But the second thing I want to say to that is, yes, it's amazing to listen to podcasts and to watch YouTube content and Facebook videos and lives and all of these different channels we have to get more information and to wake ourselves up. And you get to lean into that by starting to do the work. And when I say the work, what I mean is stepping in with a coach, stepping into a program that's going to challenge your beliefs, that's going to challenge you to step outside of the story you've had about yourself your whole life. Maybe you believe that you're just not qualified to step into the career you really want to, or you've tried dating and it's just not working, so maybe I'll just settle for a relationship that's good enough. Or maybe, you know, maybe my life is okay as it is. If you ever have any of these thoughts and you wonder why things aren't changing, it's because you probably have not really committed, really leaned into the work you need to do for yourself. And so you guys have heard me mention all kinds of different opportunities. Pretty much everybody I bring on the show here is available as a coach or a mentor, and any one of them would be happy for you to reach out to them uh, to ask them for their support and services. And I also want to make sure you guys know that I'm available, I'm willing to support any one of you men out there. Any man who sends me a message in my inbox knows that they get a message right back, usually a voice memo saying something to the effect of, hey, I want to support you. What's going on in your life? What's the challenges? What, what are the stories? What are the limiting beliefs you have about your life? What's keeping you from getting to your next level? Because if you know that you're capable of more and you know that you have challenges in your life that you just don't know how to overcome, 
you definitely need some support. That's how we grow. We do this together. So send me a message on Facebook or email at jettyazuma at gmail.com. I just want to help you find your next step, guys. I want to support every one of you men winning in your lives out there. So help me give my gift and uh, help yourself out. Help everybody around you out by committing to yourself and investing in yourself. All right. So without further ado, this episode is honestly one of my favorites. I've got on the show today, David Lyon. David is a master illusionist, mentalist, and hypnotist. By blending his unique talents and skills together, David created his own brand of magic called Lionism. It's his special brand of medicine that goes beyond magic and into the field of self-mastery and personal development. He's performed for a long list of celebrities, including Drake, Amber Rose, Wyclef Jean, Common, and many, many more. He's also performed in all kinds of corporate environments, training seminars, many different platforms. And whether it's through his YouTube channel, online trainings, or one-on-one mentoring, David helps us unleash our inner magician by tapping into our unique essence. Listen up, guys. I'm telling you right now, David is the truth. (laughs) On this episode, we talked about things like how compassion is the key to not taking things personally and that the fear of failure cripples us from taking bold action. We also talked about giving yourself permission to find your purpose no matter what it takes, like no obstacles, no matter what it takes, you got to find that purpose. We also talked about the distinction between who you think you are and who you truly are, like on a core level, on an essential level. And lastly, one of my favorite topics that we discuss in this episode is embracing our shadow side and making a distinction between the shadow and darkness. Really interesting stuff, you guys. It was such a pleasure to speak with David, but I won't give any more away. I'll let you guys tune in, dial up the volume, sit back, grab your notepad. I present to you guys, David Lyon. Here we go. All right. The one and only David Lyon. It's so good to finally connect, man. It's been a little bit of a journey getting you on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Likewise, man. But, you know, all in perfect timing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I, I, it's so great to bring you on here and share what you have to uh, bring to this conversation with the audience because the, the topic of magic and this world of magic that you've lived in for so much of your life now is something that I've found difficult to grasp onto. So looking forward to hearing what you have to teach us about magic. (laughs) For sure, man. I'm I'm looking forward to it too. (laughs) Right on. But before we do, uh, let's start off with the question I ask every one of my guests. And I know I gave you a little bit of a lead in. It's a tough one. What is the difference between a boy and a man to you? Yo, that's honestly a tough question, bro. Like I I was sitting with it from before. Um, The difference between a boy and a man, honestly... For my first ans- honest answer is I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's my first. That's my first honest answer. Um, if I were to feel into it, you know, I see a boy as playful, in tune with his essence, childlike. You know, so there's there's those elements to it. Whereas a man seems to be more, you know, grown and matured and and clear on on direction. So it almost seems like um, the balance even between the the female and ma- and male energies within ourselves, the parts of us that like to flow and the parts of us that are more direct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And, but, I, but I'm sticking to my first answer where, where I'm saying, I don't know. And I love that answer too, man. I, first of all, I'll say I haven't gotten that response yet. And I love that response because I think it's indicative of what is happening on a big social cultural level is that a lot of us don't really have a clear definition or distinction between boy and man. Yeah. And so, uh, so it's, it's cool that you bring that up. And it's also something I, I'll be honest, I'm still getting clear on exactly what a boy and a man looks like myself. That's why I asked that question. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a really good question. And, and it's rare that I'm, I'm, I'm stumped on a question like that. 
And I feel like it's, you know, because I, I very much feel like both with inside of me, you know, I very much feel like a, a little boy a lot of the time because I'm very childlike. And of course, I'm in a man's body, you know, so it's a, it's a great question. Yeah. And that's also something that I've heard other men share is we don't leave the boy behind to become the man. Oftentimes, it's just learning how we can honor both within ourselves that we're not separate from one or the other. So maybe what we can do in this conversation is uncover what it what the difference is and ask you again at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Because it's, it's almost like asking, like, what's the difference between a seed and a rose? Mm. It's tough to make distinction. We're like, well, one's more matured, but the essence is still there. <laughs> Ah, I like that. I like that. And there's that word essence. That's good. Yeah. So let's 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 shelf that for right now because we'll get back to that. Uh, let's give let's give the audience a little bit more context behind who you are and what you've been through. Let's let's start here. Tell us about some of the challenges you went through on your own personal journey between boyhood to manhood. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of my biggest main challenges was uh, friends. You know, I, I I didn't have a lot of friends. Once, once I transitioned into high school, let me be clear, like, uh, you know, so I went to um, I went to a private Jewish high school where I was the only black kid in this private Jewish elementary school. And I didn't notice that I was the only black kid because I, you know, I blended so well and there, there was no racism. There was none of that stuff. And it was only when I went to high school, uh, which was this predominantly black high school, that I noticed that I was not like the other black kids, you know, and that's where, you know, um, friendship was really tough for me because I had a hard, I had a hard time making friends because, you know, I was constantly bullied for not being like them. You know, uh, the, the other black kids were very tough and macho and yo-yo and talked a certain way and cool. Whereas I was, you know, I was very soft and sensitive and nerdy and friendly, you know? So, um, definitely my biggest challenges growing up was, you know, connecting with people, making friends and just understanding my place and where I belong. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a very common journey for a lot of boys is, is that sense of, uh, I don't quite fit in here. I don't quite fit in there. I know, especially for, um, racially speaking, fitting into different demographics and in different social groups. So how did you figure out how to navigate that for yourself at that age? Um, I didn't, (laughs) (laughs) at that age, I didn't, you know, it, it was lots of, like I said, there was lots of bullying, mainly psychological, psychological bullying. You know, I didn't, I had some physical bullying, but it was lots of just making fun of who I am, you know, as, as a person, you know, that I'm, you know, that I'm too nerdy, I'm too sensitive. So it was lots of psychological bullying that went on. And, you know, but I was always a, a very, I guess, because I was also very innocent. Like I never really took it too personally. And I was always still trying to find a way to fit in and to connect. And the way that I eventually um, learned to, turn my pain into purpose, I guess you could say, is when I was uh, 16, I ended up seeing David Blaine on TV. And, you know, it was was right at that point in my life where I was trying to find what made me special. Like, what was the thing that I was good at? Because, you know, all these kids, you know, they were either rappers or good at basketball. So I felt like I needed a thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and I so I and I tried those different things. And I sucked at basketball and rapping. But when I right when I was giving up and thinking I was good at nothing, I had seen David Blaine on TV when I was 16 years old and immediately just, you know, seeing the way he was able to approach anyone and connect with them, I was just like, that's what I want to do. And that's where my life began to transform because finally I found a path. Mm. And that's great. So right before we go down the magical path, because I know that's a big one for you, yes. you said something back there about not taking it personally. You said, I just, you said you were so innocent, you just didn't take it that personally. And I'm thinking back like, man, I took 
everything personally when I was a teenager, you know? So, so what was that? Was that just kind of the way that you were or how, how did you figure out not to take it personally? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, I feel like I was, I've always been a super compassionate person and I've always been very, I guess you could say intuitive and, you know, so I always just saw through things, you know? So even when I was being bullied, even when people were treating me badly, I just always saw the good in them and I just saw that they were hurt and I saw that, you know, there were things going on inside of them. So I didn't take it personally because I understood that they had their own baggage inside and I just kept trying to find other ways to make them feel good and to be friendly. Wow, man. Woke at a young age. I mean, that, that to me, <laughs> I, I, I try to embody that as a 30 year old and try to teach other guys that are twice my age to be like that. So that's a very, a very unique gift and very, very cool that you had that and seems like it fed into this next unfolding in your life. You said you were 16 when you saw David Blaine? Yeah, I was 16. Okay. Cool. And you said that you, one of the things you admired about him was his ability to approach and interact with people effortlessly. Yeah, man, because, you know, I, I remember so vividly, like, I remember being in high school, I would have one of, you know, one of two things would happen, you know, I would either see the group of people who I wanted to chill with and be like, okay, let me try. And I would go up and be like, hey, you know, all friendly and nerdy. And immediately I would get the look or get laughed at or whatever case may be, and that wouldn't work. And then the second thing was just like, it's like I just kept feeling to myself, like, if only people would give me a chance. Mm -hmm. If only they gave me a chance to get to know me, I know that they would love me. I know that we'd become cool friends, but I didn't know how to bridge that gap. And so when I saw David Blaine on TV, it's like he had this magical tool, this magical way of bridging the gap by, you know, not having to go up to people in these awkward ways, but actually just being like, hey, you want to see something interesting? You know, like, you want to see some magic? So it, that, that's what it really gave me more than anything. Mm, and so that was kind of the the bait that got you on the on the path initially, yeah. Big, oh yeah, big time, man. Yeah, th yeah, that was it. Like that was my whole heart lit up when I saw that. Yeah, and it's actually really cool because I think that's what a lot of men, especially younger guys, are are learning is how do I how do I break the ice? How do I in find a way to engage with someone? So your your path was, hey, you want to see a magic trick or you want to see something interesting? What what could that be for other men if they're not magically inclined that's oh man that's a great question i mean well first of all i'll say that i believe everyone is magically inclined you know because there's there's so many different styles of magic that there's definitely one that fits you if that's what you want to look for and you know and the reason i say that is because I, I genuinely believe everyone should learn at least one good trick you know just so that you could experience what it's like not only making people feel good but getting that reaction it just opens your world in a whole different kind of way um, but if you're, you know, but if you're not magically inclined, if I, you know, if I go that direction with you, um, finding something that makes people feel good, that's, that's, that seems to be the essence of it all is, you know, it's like, I was looking for a way to make people feel good, you know, whether it was through spoken word, whether it was through rapping, through dancing, um, whether it was through just giving people random gifts, it seems to me making people feel good is that bridge. Mm. magic is magic definitely makes it way easier though for sure yeah i mean magic is a really cool way to, <laughs> to approach somebody right um yeah. but i think i think you actually uncovered something really simple there that ultimately not just as men but as humans we're all looking to be seen listened and heard yes. and and it sounds like exactly what you said you know giving people a gift acknowledgement all of these little simple things that we overlook because yes. we're feeling that same pain ourselves. So it seems like you tapped into that early on and saw the value in it. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Now that you put it that way. 
I'll have to agree with that statement. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, okay. So then the magical journey is beginning to unfold for you. Tell us a little bit more of the story of where'd you go from there, from that moment that you caught fire? What, what happened? Yeah. So basically what happened was, you know, so I was 16 years old. I see David Blaine on TV and I was just like, that's what I want to do. And, you know, it's not like I had any idea how to become a magician from there, you know, because, you know, magicians never share their secrets. How do you become a magician is, is usually the question I, I get from there. Mm-hmm. And the honest truth is that it's, it's kind of, I feel like magic found me. Like I was, I was meant to, to see David Blaine on TV because from that point, just by that decision inside myself where I'm like, that's what I want to do. Life just put certain things on my path so that I became a magician. So for example, like after I saw David Blaine on TV, I went online and I, and I went to libraries trying to find street magic stuff, but nothing was very David Blaine-esque. Mm-hmm. And then one day I, I went to school in high school. I was in grade 11 at the time. And just as, 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 I, was, as I was about to go to class, um, I see this huge eruption of reaction in the cafeteria of these people just like, whoa, you know? And when I look over, I see this guy standing there with a deck of cards. And I'm like, no way, there's a David Blaine in my school. <laughs> and then for the first time in my life, I skipped class. And because <laughs> I had that choice point, you know, I, I was, you know, 16 years old, I had that choice point. So I, I chose to skip class. I'm like, no, I need to learn more about this magic. Mm-hmm. And I literally followed him around all day while he performed for different crowds, but never actually going in the audience. I was just enjoying, um, you know, just the, the, the theater of the magic and like the, the vibes it was creating. Mm-hmm. And then once he finally stopped being the magician and went back to being Chris, which that was his name. Um, I had gone up to him and I asked him, I'm like, dude, I've been following you all around. I'm like, I have to ask you, please. Like, how did you do that one card trick where you turned one card into another card? And for whatever reason, he told me the secret. And Mm -hmm. what that, what that gave me in that moment was the thinking of a magician. It taught me how to think like a magician so I could start to pick things apart. differently. Mm -hmm. And eventually that evolved. And, you know, I, I got good at card tricks and stuff. And, you know, I met other magicians along the way, but it was it's not like as soon as I learned magic, my whole life changed because there was, you know, I, I learned the skills and I started getting really good at magic, but I was still terrified to approach people with it. So imagine I started learning magic at 16 and it wasn't until I was about 21. So five years of practicing magic that I finally got the courage to go and perform for people and make friends. Wow. You know? Wow. So, so, so let's pause there for a second. What was it that prevented you from going to perform, especially, I mean, in five years, I'm sure you got pretty good at some of these tricks. You know, it, it, what prevented me was, was really just the fear of failure. You know, I didn't want to be that guy who, who, who wanted to be a magician, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that's not, that's not the reputation I wanted. Right. And, you know, and also I just had so much buildup of the psychological bullying I went through. So that, you know, that, that took a toll on me as well. And so, you know, it was it was a little bit of that. And, and also, it was just kind of like, I was going at my own pace, I guess, you know, because I ended up finding a friend named Evan, who, um, you know, he became, he was one of my closest friends. He was another nerd friend with me. And, you know, he'd be the guy who I, you know, I'd stay at home with and practice magic with and record it on my little digital camera and whatnot, and just, you know, keep perfecting and perfecting and perfecting. But so yeah, it, it was really fear. It was fear. Yeah. And the reason I wanted to highlight that is because that's something that I I bet everybody listening could relate to is that fear of failure that prevents us from just taking action. And so um, what was it at the age of 21 that finally was the tipping point where you said, maybe actually let's do this. Just tell us the experience of the first performance. 
and what got you to the courage to do it? This is literally where my whole life changed. So I was 21 years old and I was going to this college called Dawson College in Montreal. And literally every time I went to a new school, so I, I kept telling myself, okay, this year is going to be different. Now I'm going to be cool. Now I'm going to fit in. And I would try and show up with different personas and different characters. And each time it just failed miserably. And so now I find, you know, I'm done my high school years. I find myself in college. And I just remember how every day after class, I would walk down the stairs. I would look in the cafeteria. And, and that's where all the cool kids would hang out, the basketball players and the hot chicks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I would tell myself every day, I'm like, okay, after class, I'm going to go perform for them. And I would go, I'd get down the stairs. I would look at them. My knees would literally begin to tremble. And then, and I would be like, okay, tomorrow, I'm going to practice a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I literally said tomorrow for a whole semester straight, for six months straight. And by the time the next semester renewed, it was just enough, you know, because I had realized at that point that this pattern isn't going to stop. Like I'm, I'm constantly going to keep saying tomorrow. And it just got to the point where the pain of living the same, the, the pain of living the same life was no longer worth not taking the chance. You know, it's, 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 that's really what it was. It was just so, it was so much more painful to keep living that same cycle than to just go, you know what, I'm just going to try. I'm just going to try and I'll, I'll try and start small. And, you know, and that's what, you know, that's what I intended to do. So I, I walked up to these, these two black girls and I figured I'd start with the people I'm, I'd be most comfortable with. So I went to these two girls um, and I, you know, I'm like, excuse me, do you have a, a $5 bill that I could use for a second? I want to show you something interesting. And for whatever reason, they went in their pocket and they gave it to me. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't know at the time was that as soon as I borrow someone's bill and I started, you know, showing my hands empty and rolling up my sleeves and all that stuff that people all around would recognize that I'm doing a performance. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden my performance of two people turned into a good like 50, 60 people surrounding me fully. And <laughs> I was suddenly in this moment where it's a point of no return. And I'm like, all right, it's make it or break it. And, you know, so, and I took that $5 bill and I folded it up and I turned it into a hundred dollars and the whole school just went into an uproar and it was just this feeling of like, I did it. You know, like, it was like, <laughs> holy shit. I don't know if I can swear on here, but it's good. It's good. Yeah. You know, it was just, it was just this uproar. And that was literally the moment that changed my life. Cause it was from that day forward. It's like, I went from being the most invisible person in school to the most popular guy in school overnight. Mm. You wow. know, and, and yeah, literally next day I'd come to school. Everyone's like, yo, magician, yo, magician. Like no one knew my name yet. But it was a start. It was a start. <laughs> oh, man, there's there's so much cool stuff in that story. So uh, let me try and help help you unpack it a little bit. So uh, first of all, up to the, 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 the performance, let's just call it the performance for now. Yeah. Five years of practicing years. magic. So just give us a quick glimpse of what did your practice of magic in those five years look like on a day-to-day basis? Oh, I, it, it was obsessive. Like it, it would be while I'm watching TV, I was playing with cards. Um, while I was on the phone talking to friends, I was playing with cards. If I wasn't doing that, I was at a friend's house practicing card tricks or I was in the mirror doing like I was, you know, my mom used to used to probably wonder what was wrong with me because I would lock myself in the in my room or even in the bathroom sometimes just so I had the right mirrors just to master my craft. So it was a lot of being a hermit. Oh, man. And I, and I love that story because the, the journey of the master is something that really resonates with me. It's the first thing that made sense in my adult life was, oh, yeah, you have to put in a lot of time and effort towards something to get good at it. Yes. And I think it's something that a lot of folks just don't quite get or don't give themselves the permission to, or don't create the space to do that. So 
That's incredible. I mean, like we're talking thousands of hours over those five years, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. Like, and, and I will also mention though that like it was passionate practice. You know, it's like it, it wasn't like grueling. You know, it, it's you know, and I feel like it's important to mention just because you know I'm I'm very big on on life being effortless and on the idea of life life is designed to be effortless. And so while I put in tons of hours of work, I was super passionate about it. So the hours flew by. For me, it was I didn't even notice it. Mm. Well, and that's really cool. So a, a lot of people will hear that you put in like hours and hours of work every day and say, bro, that ain't effortless. That's effortful. So how, <laughs> so, so, what's your distinction around effortless that, that fits with that type of journey? Well, it's like there's, a, there's that quote. Um, I think Will Smith said it, or he probably took it from somewhere, but it said, um, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Right. And, and, th- and that's what it was. It was, you know, because I was so passionate about it, it didn't feel like effort. You know, and so that's what made it effortless. Mm, that's that's beautiful, man. And I think just getting that statement reinforced with a story that's real is, is yes. really powerful. It's powerful for me. I'm hearing that. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, good reminder. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. uh, and, and the other thing is those those two girls and then the 50 or 60 people that were standing around you for your first trick. Yeah. They had no idea that you had to put in five years of training and practicing every single day to turn that five into a hundred. Oh yeah, yeah, bro. It's, it's like five years for a trick that lasted 30 seconds. <laughs> it's unreal. And, and so what do you think that that is an obstacle that a lot of people run into is the time and the time and energy it takes for the return that seems so far away? I think they can. I think they can. I guess it depends on the reasons why you're getting into it, you know, cause it's like, now I look at things from, from, speaking of boy and man okay so so you know now being a man when i when i look at certain tasks you know for example reaching a certain level of success i could look at it in a certain way and be like oh man that's a lot of time and effort that i need to put in you know and that's kind of like my man's perspective because i'm looking at it i guess um as a goal i'm looking at it as as i'm looking for a means to an end whereas as as a boy it was just you know i wasn't even necessarily looking at an end goal i was just obsessively practicing something, not even thinking about how many, you know, how much time it would take to get to somewhere. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost like something that we develop that, that works a little bit against us. That, that idea of being in our, in our purpose, like our real aligned purpose in our, in our mission while we're here. If we forget about that, being in that boy state of creativity of, you know, no time is irrelevant and it's not a means to an end. It's just exploration then we we kind of, we can kind of fall fall away off the path. Would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, because it's 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 a lot like asking me, like you know, it's like asking a kid, like how long did it take you to become a video game master? <laughs> you know, like you know, he he just plays it obsessively because he loves it, but he puts in those hours, and next thing you know, he's he's doing Call of Duty tournaments. You know, but it's it's not work for him. It's 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 love. It's passion. Mm, so important, man. And I'll I'll just take a moment to say, like I I believe that finding your unique direction and purpose in life is like the only thing you have to do before you actually get down to the mission. It's like your mission up until you identify it is just to identify it and to give yourself full permission to explore and to create whatever it is and to try it over and over and over again until you identify it. And I think that as a, as a culture, I'm still seeing men that aren't giving themselves that permission because of those other duties that come up. Like you said, you know, feeling like we need to pay the bills and we ought to get, we're supposed to get married now. So we got to figure out how to take care of all that before we get to our, our real gift. Exactly. Completely agree. Yeah. All right, cool, man. Well then, so 
the other part of that story that I wanted to capture is the contrast between all of the nerves and all of the energy building up before the the trick and then the moment of tri- of triumph. Just describe what that felt like to you. Oh man, bro. You're, you're making me relive it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, uh, I, I was terrified. Like, it's not like, you know, and I think this is, a, this is an important point is that the fear never went away. It's not like, it's not like the fear went away and then I did it. You know, I was just as terrified when I did it as I was those days when I said tomorrow, tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, and if anything more so because now I was actually doing it, you know, so it was like this day I knew I was going to do it. I walked down those stairs after class you know, I, I looked at the cafeteria the same way, looked at the people who I wanted to connect with and played those dreams in my head of, of, you know, being friends with them, did my visualization. And, you know, my knees started to shake and, you know, my, and my hands were trembling and my voice was shaky. And, you know, but I just still went. I just walked, you know, because again, like I wasn't going to go through that pain of, of living the pattern again, you know. So I just walked up to them and very shy, very nervous, asked for the bill and, but there there was a moment when there was a moment when like this trance kind of took over me you know it's it's kind of like it's it's like when you just go for something you know you know I, I feel like every artist or performer creative experiences this like when you just finally dive in something takes over you kind of feeling mm-hmm. you know there was a certain moment where once all the people were around me and i had no choice but to continue and to just do what i came here to do even though there was nerves it's like it got overtaken by this magic you know by by this feeling where i just went into this trance and i just i just did it and you know and and i and yeah that was it and then it led to that huge moment Mm, and that's another thing that um in in books like have you ever read the book by uh stephen kotler it's called uh the something the super the rise of the superman have you read that book no I haven't. No. So it's all about flow state. And so you mentioned the word flow before. And so it's like you put in your repetitions over and over and over again of these tricks. And then once you can cross that threshold of fear, your body takes over because you did the work for those five years leading up to it. And- Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, and I think I should even mention, like, I still to this day get nervous. I still to this day, you know, it's I, when I was, you know, not to go too off topic, but when I recently performed at this event, Legendary Souls in California, you know, I've been doing now I've been doing magic and hypnosis and all that uh, 15, 16 years. You know, I'm I'm pretty seasoned in it. But still, right before I went on, I was terrified. It li- I literally had the exact same sensation I did when I was 21 and about to perform because now I was with a different caliber, caliber of pe- people. But now I've just learned that oh, this is the feeling that lets me know I'm going to kill it. Oh, see, so, so you kind of transform that story. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I've let, it's like, it's like, okay, this, this fear is letting me know this is the direction to go. This is because, you know, my nervousness is really excitement. That's what it really is. It's just, it's being uh-huh. filtered through all these fears in my mind. Oh, wow. That's powerful. That's, that's a, that's a golden nugget for anybody who's listening right now is <laughs> tra- learning. Cause you know, I think that I've heard every performer say that, you know, you, you think, look at some of the most seasoned athletes and celebrities they they admit they still get nervous on the big stage but that something takes over like like yes. you're suggesting yes so. absolutely and, and and that's the best feeling in the world is that takeover <laughs> <laughs> so that's actually uh, let me ask you that question what do you think it is that allows that takeover to happen is it is it just the reps or is there something else that we haven't talked about yet it's getting out of your own way you know because what happens a lot is you know, when, when you're about to go, you know, I'll speak as, as, an, as a magician, but like when you're about to go perform, very often you could get stuck in your head thinking of like, okay, what, what line am I going to open up with? How am I going to say this? How am I going to do that? 
and you know and and you're stuck in your head whereas as soon as you dive in and you realize that you there's nothing you could do but respond to what's going on in the moment that's what seems to trigger the trance because there's there's nothing you could pre-plan or strategize or think about you you just you just have to be in flow it's just there's just you get out of your own way something ignites that's beautiful, man. That's another thing that I notice is, you know, for those of us who get stricken with paralysis by analysis, you know, overthinking it and kind of letting that prevent like, prevent you from taking action, there's this surrender experience that we yes. have to have. And that's that's the other thing that I recognized in your story was, okay, after six months of saying tomorrow, today's the day. No matter what happens, I'm going to do it. That's it. Yeah. And also to add to that, I think part of what lends to that that trance experience, that getting out of your own way is, is definitely your intention going in, you know, cause I, I've seen performers who go and do a full performance and they, they don't trance in, you know, you could see that they're still stuck in their head and whatnot. And what I've noticed is that it depends on your intention, you know, is your intention to be like, I got to look awesome. I got to, I got to be impressive. Or is your intention to make people feel good? Is your intention about others? And, and that I, that's what I feel makes all the difference. Cause when you're, when you're not thinking of yourself and your intentions, about others like that that's my intention whenever i'm going to go up to someone and perform i imagine that this person may not have ever seen magic in their entire life so i might be their first experience you know so my intention is to make you is to make you feel good so i'm not thinking of myself so that's what creates that flow state if y'all are listening right now just hit rewind about 90 seconds and listen to that <laughs> one more time <laughs> because that's nothing else needs to be said about that man the pureness of intention and purpose and the distinction between the self and others yes beautiful man yeah beautiful <laughs> so let's just leave that contention plus action equals magic so let's just leave that where that one is because that's beautiful um so Tell us a little bit more about the next stage of the journey. So now you had your first big triumph. So yep. give us some of the uh, the sense of what happened from that point up until now on your journey with magic. Yeah, so I kept trying really hard to fit in with people and it wasn't working. And now all of a sudden, I went from being invisible to the most popular guy in school. And because I was still largely driven by insecurity, now I went to the opposite end of the spectrum. It's like I went to the opposite end of my ego where I was like, okay, now it's my opportunity to fit in and be like them. You know, because I still saw my true self is not good enough. I still saw my sensitive nature is not good enough. I'm like, okay, now that they're, they're accepting me into their pack, into their tribe, now I could act macho and yo-yo and talk like them too. Mm -hmm. So this began this, this next chapter of my life where, you know, I started losing myself, basically. I, I literally began to illusion myself and lose track of my own magic. And, you know, not to say that, you know, these, this, these times of my life were bad. You know, they're actually phenomenal. You know, I, I needed them, but it's like, I just went through this phase of going very deep into my ego, getting, becoming very cocky and arrogant because now everybody loved me and, you know, girls wanted me. And I was getting invited everywhere, um, getting invited to perform on TV and this, that, and the other. So it was about, a, it was about um, I want to say, another five-year span of exploring my ego in really fun ways, <laughs> and, <laughs> but just also really losing myself because what ended up happening is I thought more than anything that, okay, I want to be a celebrity, you know, because if, if becoming this popular at, at school changed my life, imagine being popular with the entire world, you mm -hmm. know, and I'm actually only seeing it like this now, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, imagine being this popular with the whole world. And so I started to chase fame, you know, I wanted a David Blaine special, uh, a David Blaine type special. And you know, I started to get really good. My YouTube channel started to pick up and, you know, and I was chasing this fulfillment. And then there was this one turning point in my life where finally I'm about 25 years old. You know, I had done a lot of really cool things. And 
um, I had gotten invited to perform for Drake. Mm-hmm. And here we are, I'm in Toronto. I had just performed uh, Ma- Magic on City TV for Christmas Eve. I get the call, do you want to perform for Drake? I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> and um, thinking that by mm-hmm. performing for Drake and after performing on TV, that the whole world's going to want me. You know, I'm finally going to have my dreams. I'm going to be fulfilled and whatnot. And so I go, I perform for Drake. He gives me a shout out on camera, goes on my YouTube. And, you know, I'm thinking everything's great. And the next day rolls around and it's just another day. Mm -hmm. And I honestly never felt more empty in my entire life. You know, not because I didn't appreciate the greatness of what happened, but it was just like, why didn't it work? You know, why didn't me getting on TV and performing for Drake, like why, you know, why isn't my phone blowing up more? Why aren't people wanting me and loving me? Why didn't it work? And so it was at that point in my life that I asked myself a very powerful question where I asked myself, what is it that I'm not seeing? You know, and and that was the question that transformed everything for me because everything I was doing, everything I was doing, I was accomplishing. You know, I put my mind to anything, I was accomplishing it, but it still left me empty. So finally I had to stop and be like, okay, what is it that I'm not seeing? And that's the question that ended up opening the door towards spirituality and me finding my path and purpose. Wow, man. And such an important question. I mean, I can relate in my own story. I know before a couple months back, you and I had a, a real long conversation. I gave you some of my story. So I can really relate to that moment where it's like, man, this isn't what I thought it would be. You yeah. know, what, what is it then? And, and so just, just that experience, like the, the morning you woke up after performing for Drake, how long were you in that state for where you felt that emptiness and kind of in that, in that I don't know phase? Um. One day. One day. All right. One day, you know, because it's, I I say one day because it was like, it was such a buildup of emptiness. You know, it was, it was that, you know, I, I I kept having those little highs, you know, those, those little moments of satisfaction. Okay. I was on TV. Okay. I had a booking, you know, so it's, it's like constantly needing drugs, you know, but then when the drugs of life aren't there, I would go through a, I'd be jonesing, you Mm -hmm. know? So, so when I finally had that day where I'm like, what am I not seeing? the instant I asked that question is when just life just changed. I, I, I don't even know how to put it. It was like, I just started thinking in new ways. And I think the thing that, that most turned for me is that I just started to find like new teachings. I started to find ancient Egyptian teachings on spirituality and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, one day. Wow. That's beautiful. And so what was the answer to that question? What were you missing? That's a great question. Um, so what ended up happening was, through asking myself, what am I not seeing? Spirituality came into my life. And, you know, I, so I learned about law of attraction and I learned about the universe and whatnot. I learned oneness and all that stuff that a lot of us learn in spirituality. But what really changed things was um, about a year down the line, I ended up meeting someone who had become a mentor and a dude named Alex. And <laughs> I had gotten, I had heard about him because I heard he was an energy healer. And you know, I had believed in psychic abilities and stuff like that, but I was a, I was a skeptic first, you know, and I, I still, I never really heard of energy healing. I thought that stuff was crazy. And the girl who I was dating at the time, this girl named Bianca, um, she told me that, I'll, I'll, I'll just be fully transparent, she told me that she was seeing uh, demons. Is, is it cool if I talk about this? Yeah, yeah, go for it, man. Whatever's okay, real. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So she had told me that she was seeing demons, and um, and I thought she was nuts. I thought it was just a cry for attention. And 
and I heard about this energy healer dude, Alex. I'm like, okay. I'm like, you're crazy. He's crazy. Let me put you two crazies together and <laughs> you guys will help each other. And um, clearly I was still in my ego days. <laughs> still working it out. <laughs> yeah. And so we had gone to see this Alex guy. And what most impressed about me, what, what most impressed me about him right off the bat was that he was nothing like I thought. You know, I was expecting a dude with like crystals and like long beard and hippie this and that. But he was just like a regular dude, like eating a Pop-Tart with track pants on, you know, like. So right away, like right away, I liked his vibe. And we went to his place. And this is where the magic happened, because he 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 lay Bianca down on his massage table. And I'm sitting um, behind and he starts, he tells her to close her eyes. He closes his eyes and he starts to do this energy thing, this like chakra DJ thing above her body. Mm. And I'm watching this. I'm like, all right. I'm like, it looks like a cool performance. But as he was doing things, like her body would respond. Like, so if he would lift his hand above her chest, her chest would go upwards kind of thing or near her head, her head would move. And, um, and I'm looking at this. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I'm like, how, how, is, how is she responding? And then there was a point where all this rage came out of her body. You could see her face turn red. Then she breaks down crying. And then all of a sudden, there's this palpable sense of peace in the room. But yet no words were exchanged ever. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Mm-hmm. And, you know, finally, after an hour, he tells her he can open, she can open her eyes. And he, and he explains, he's like, okay, so the reason why you were experiencing demons was because you had suppressed inner demons on the inside that you were ignoring. So eventually they just manifested as a reflection of yourself on the outside. And I was like, huh, I'm like, that's logical. I can, I can accept that. (laughs) That's not too out there for me. I'm like, all right, cool. And so, you know, I paid him his money. I'm like, thank you for helping her. And I was about to leave. And then all of a sudden he turns to me, he closes his eyes and he turns to me. He's like, we have information for you. I was (laughs) I was just like, who the fuck is we? You know, it's like, just me, it's just me and you in this room, buddy, you know? And he just began to channel. He was just like, you think you're this macho, impressive magician who gets girls, who's a celebrity, and da-da-da-da-da. But really, the real you is soft and sensitive um, and is meant to help people and has sim- similar gifts and abilities like me and so on and so forth. And while at the time I had no idea what he was talking about as far as abilities went, um, what he most gave me in that moment was, was this distinction between who I thought I was and who I truly was. And this idea that the sooner I let go of who I think I need to be, the sooner I become more of who I truly am again, and I could find my path and purpose. And it was the first time in so long that I had felt resonance through that empty journey I had gone through. You know? So, so that, that, was, that was definitely the, the, the turning point for me, was understanding that there was a distinction between who I thought I was and who I truly was. Wow, man, you're, you're just dropping the bombs today. <laughs> I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, oh my God, there's like, you know, so much good stuff in here. Uh, so in those, in those five years of that journey, so 21 to like 25-ish, before you yeah. met Alex, yeah. um, what do you, what, looking back on it, what do you think was the purpose of that time? You know, because a lot of people would say like, oh man, well, you came to your truth five years later. So how, how do you give value and purpose to those five years you were in the ego state? To get shit out of my system. <laughs> that was, that's the best way I could put it. I let myself be super wild, bro. Like I did every, any type of thing that I wanted to do, I did. Um, you know, I, I was a hardcore partier. I lived to the fullest of my ego. I had, a, honestly, it was like some of the best times of my life. You know, um, so for me, the purpose was just 
fun and to you know and to live my to live my young years to the fullest so that when it came time to mature and develop i didn't have any regrets or any you know but i wish i did no no i did everything like i did mm. everything <laughs> yeah it's like uh are you familiar with the story of siddhartha yes but herman Hess. so it's i mean i always think of that because you're like okay on the on the other end of this he becomes buddha and it's like whoa it's like this is that's quite the journey going from everything that we modern day celebrity looks like to, you know, peacefulness and purpose. And so yeah. that and it makes me should, think, go ahead. Should, yeah. And also I should mention is like those five years, not only did I get to things out my system, I also built my brand of lionism, which is, you know, my, um, my magic, the name, the, the name of my magic is lionism. So those five years was building my YouTube channel. It was building my client, my client base. It was building my reputation. So there was lots of good that came out of that. Uh, even on the business side of things. Yeah. And I think that's important to note is that what I'm seeing is that getting certain things out of our system and, and almost completing that part of the journey in, in the, on this journey from boy to man is, is essential. And I know I can relate to that myself. I've done my own crazy things and anybody who's being honest and has made it to a point of fulfillment and success has done some crazy stuff because we all, we all got to go through it. I think in fact, the people who don't feel fulfilled, Maybe it's that they didn't live that out fully or didn't complete that stage of the journey. Is that something that you see with people you work with? Oh yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it's like, there's, it's, um, I think what that most taught me is like to embrace my shadow side, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, to, you know, cause I was never at any point in my life, um, a dark person in the sense of like, uh, malicious or anything like that, you know, but like I had my shadows, you know, and, but it, it taught me the balance of, you know, letting myself, um, you know, be my light and shadow all at once kind of thing to, to be all of me. And I, and so, yeah, I definitely see that with people, uh, even in clients nowadays, you know, who, you know, who are having so much struggle in their life because all they're trying to do is be these pure saints, you know, as, as opposed to accepting their raw side as well. You know, the, the, that side of them that might be more mischievous or whatever case may be. Yeah. And that's actually a really great distinction. I think so many people are afraid of this word shadow. Even the fact that people are using the word shadow now is cool, but they hear the word shadow. And I, even myself, I think destructive, destructive. Mm. So is, does the shadow always need to be destructive? Absolutely not. You know, I think the perfect picture you could paint in your mind of shadow is if you think of the old Disney cartoon, uh, Peter Pan, you know, if it, if it wasn't for Peter Pan's shadow, he would have never found Wendy. You know, wow. it, I got to go back. Of, re, re, retell that part of the story because I don't remember it. Yeah. So basically in the beginning of the movie, his, his shadow runs away from him because his shadow was his mischievous side. You know, mm-hmm. he was the playful, innocent boy and his shadow was this mischievous, just wanted to do what it wanted. And his shadow runs away from him and he's trying to chase his shadow and his shadow ends up running into Wendy's room, which is how he ends up finding Wendy because he's, he, he's looking for his shadow over there. So wow. in essence, by following his shadow by you know as opposed to rejecting it because he could have you know he could have just all right well i want nothing to do with my shadow Mm. and he could have let go of his shadow and never found wendy you know but because he knew that was a part of him it led him led him to finding his true love whoa dude i mean i I, first of all i got to go back and listen to the story of peter pan and watch that again um and it's also so i'm I'm gonna be real honest of what's coming up for me is when i was a teenager um i would have these these like fits of rage where it would, I guess looking back, it feels like a shadow energy that I didn't know how to deal with. And mm. so, I, and, and as I've worked with young men over the years, I see that there is not a safe way for them to express that energy that comes up. And I'm interpreting it now in our conversation is that's just shadow. That's just yeah. shadow revealing itself and boys, men, whatever you want to call it, 
don't know what to do with it. So, so what would you say a young person, anybody can do to explore their shadow, but not be afraid of it in, in like a destructive way? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it's, I mean, first and foremost, it's, it's so important to have a place where you can express. And I think, you know, that's, um, you know, cause I, again, I don't see shadow as a bad thing. There's, there's a difference. There's a difference to me between shadow and darkness, mm-hmm. you know, you know, whereas a shadow needs to exist in the light, you know, darkness doesn't need to have light around, <laughs> you know? And, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is like someone with darkness, that's your, uh, it's like your evil side. If you had, you know, if you want to hurt people, that's darkness, you know, for me, shadow is like, you know, I, I feel hurt. I'm angry. I, w- I want to do, I, I, I want to be a troublemaker. You know, it's, you know, it's sides that you feel guilt and shame towards, but that are just natural parts of you that you don't understand. You know, so I, I think it's just so important to have people that will just give you the space to express that and to be that version of yourself with them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how to, how to answer, that, answer that question specifically rather, rather than just say that, yeah, you need to have a space to, to express yourself you know, be it creatively or with a friend. I think even just the fact that you made a distinction between evilness and darkness and shadow is going to be really powerful for a lot of people listening to this. And I know, I wish I had heard that when I was 16 years old, because there was a part of me that needed to be expressed. And instead, I just suppressed it. Instead of expressing it, I suppressed it. And it caused a lot of, uh, pain and hardship for me. To be honest with you, there's still layers of that, that I'm stripping away now. And, and thinking about, what is it that's going to help other people, including myself, all people to engage with that part of ourselves instead of denying that we have it altogether? Well, I'm, I'm curious, how, how do you define your shadow side? What is, what is like, because I want to make, I want to see if we're, we're interpreting it the same way. I have a whole new definition of it right now, to be honest, just listening <laughs> okay, to you, cool. because I think, what, I think everything that felt dark or evil or anything that wasn't light or positivity, yeah. I was interpreting as shadow. So I think having a distinction between shadow and what feels like darkness. Cause mm. let's be honest, there's darkness in the world. Yes. Like yes. there just is. And so I think we all can be sensitive to darkness. And if we're not careful, we can also take that on and manifest it in our own lives. Yeah. But to recognize that we just have this yin and yang parts to us, that's very natural and, and both sides very powerful and useful. I think it changes the whole conversation for people. Yeah, absolutely, man. I could even say like really quickly, like I went through a pretty bad depression about two years ago. And when I finally made my way through to the other side and healed it, I saw that the reason why I was depressed was because I was suppressing my shadow side. Mm. I was trying so hard to be a saint and to be polite and to always be good, but I wasn't letting myself be the raw me, the, the one that wanted to have wild experiences that you know, that sometimes didn't give a fuck and, you know, that would talk like this sometimes, you know, like I wasn't letting myself be a whole aspect of myself. So I was literally depressed. I was compressing a part of myself. Mm. Whereas as soon as I acknowledged that, you know, that's another part of me and I, and I gave it the, the room to breathe and I said, okay, yeah, I could be that too. My depression went away because it's like, I just, I had that self-acceptance. Wow, man. I, I personally get a lot from just that part of the conversation and also recognize that I, that, cause that's, part of my backstory is oh, I need everybody to like me. I need, if that's my survival story is how can I make everybody like me so that I belong? And yes. I, and I know that there's a lot of people who have a story like that or something similar. So it caused me to suppress the part of myself that was, that was mischievous, that was edgy, that took risks, that said yeah. what he thought. And, and instead of, you know, I, I, I saw, I replaced that with what's going to make people like me. What's going to make people, right. other people happy. So, right. 
That's powerful, huge, man. That's, that's yeah. a powerful one right there. I, I'm going to sit with that. I'm going to sit with that one and really work on that. Um, and for anyone else out there, I think it's a really good. Yeah. Cause I mean, I don't know about for you, but like for me, my, my shadow side is also what most ignites me. You know, when I'm being mischievous and I'm getting into trouble and I'm just being like, that's, that's where I draw a lot of my power from in the sense of my passion, you know, cause I'm just letting myself be wild and free. I'm, you know, like an animal in a sense, but of course it's guided with pure intention. And so I think that's where the, the yin and yang aspect balance each other out because it's my intention is always good, you know, but I, you know, my, my shadow likes to be mischievous. I like to have fun. Yeah. You know, I like to, I like to, I like to do pranks on my cats and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> whatever. <it is. laughs> well, and, and maybe that actually goes back to a couple questions ago that the way to engage with the shadow has something to do with intention. Like you've already spoken about. Yes. Yes. And so, so what kind of intention do you bring in that allows you to be in your shadow place? To be me. That's, that's mm-hmm. my simple intention. It, it's, I, I, I know that my intention is just to be me and to be all of me, knowing that me is not a bad person and that I could trust myself. I, yeah, I could trust myself knowing that if I just be me, I won't do bad things. It's just me exploring other aspects of myself. You know, I, I once heard in a documentary, there's a powerful documentary called Tuning In. Have you ever seen Tuning In? No, I haven't. Okay, well, I think everybody listening should watch Tuning In. It's, um, it's on YouTube for free. But cool. basically, there's a part. Um, it's about the different spirit channelers in America and their unique message for humankind. And um, there's a part in the, in the documentary where one of the channelers says how humans have this mm-hmm. whole obsession with their light side and their dark side. And, you know, have this whole fascination with, you know, getting closer to the light side, which puts a prejudice on the dark side. And so he's like, why does there have to be a light side and a dark side? Why can't it just be one aspect of yourself and another aspect of yourself? Hmm. Powerful question. You know, so it takes charge off of it. It takes that charge of darkness off of it when you just see those two aspects of yourself. Beautiful, man. Like, like I said, I think that just the fact that that opens the door to a whole new possibility um, for me, and I'm sure many people who are listening, that's that's great. And you know what? We'll, we'll just have to do a part two all about that because I think it's such a huge topic. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I'm with it. Um, so cool, man. I know that there's been so much great stuff on this interview already. I, I wanted to make sure that we left room for you to speak about this, what you teach now about how, learning to lead with your essence. So can you, can you tell us a little bit about that, where, where you sourced that wisdom and how you uh, teach that to people now? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, I guess it, it's, it's something I discovered accidentally. I've always said that the greatest wish, that my, the, the greatest gift that my mom ever gave me was that she simply just wished for my happiness. And, and what I mean by that is like, she didn't tell me growing up, like you better, you know, you just have to be successful. You just have to go to school. It was none of that. It was just, I just want you to be happy whether you go to school or not. And something, I, I believe something about that really um, defined me because since then, since I was a kid, I never did anything that I didn't want to do. I never did anything that I didn't like doing, even if authorities told me otherwise. And you know, so I feel like, you know, when I finally, when I became a magician and started to live through my passions, you know, I started to discover like that life is designed to be effortless. I started to discover that anytime I was doing something and I was pushing and I was struggling a hundred percent of the time, it, there was something I wasn't seeing. It's like I was, I was going against my intuition in some way. Cause I was, I was trying to make things happen rather than allow for things to happen. And so I, I eventually just under, understood that just by acting on my excitement and my passions every moment that I can, my life will become an explosion of synchronicity. And, and, and this lends to my whole philosophy of, you know, do nothing, get everything. Whereas 
when I say leading with essence, what I really mean is doing what makes you feel good versus what you think you have to do. Mm. You know, the, the, an exercise that I just call feel like versus have to, mm. where every morning when you wake up, you know, your mind's going to go, okay, I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do this. I have to do that. But what do you feel like doing? Whereas have to is your mind feel like is your soul calling you in a direction. And when you just allow yourself to act on what you most feel like doing, what's most calling to you, you, you start to connect with more of yourself. You start to line up with more of your soul. You start to go into more of a flow state and things just start to happen. It's like you find yourself at the right place at the right time at the right moment. And so this to me is what I call leading with essence because you're just, you're letting flow lead the way rather than you trying to make things work, you know? Mm. And, um, yeah, so, so th that's become the way that I live my life now, is where, whereas I live my life purely through synchronicity. Uh, I, don't do, I still don't do anything I don't want to do. And, you know, and I've just learned how to show people how to reconnect to their essence, you know, reconnect to their feeling so that they can do it too. Wow, man. Uh, and that's, that's such a powerful message. I'm thinking of that I know a lot of people who aren't living their lives that way, including myself in some respects. And how, when was the last time you did something you really did not want to do? Oh, man. Um, the, the fact that I have to think about it tells you a lot. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're wrecking your brain. <laughs> I think, well, actually, no, I can remember a time. So actually, this is a great example. Um, I met my new business partner while I was in California. And, you know, we're, we're building um, my living magic brand together. And so since it's just he and I, well, at the time, it was just he and I, there were certain tasks that he told that he asked for me to do. And I was like, okay, sure, I could do it. And it was just simple things. It was simple things like just scheduling my social media posts. You know, some it's really does not, it's not very hard, but I really did not want to do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I kept procrastinating and I kept putting it off and I, and I just, and I wasn't getting it done. And I realized that there was like this feeling inside of me where it felt like a, a tug of war with my essence. Cause it's like my essence wanted to go one way, but at this, but at the same time I told him that I would get certain things done, you know? So I was, I was, had this inner battle of like, you know, how do I have both? Mm -hmm. And so finally, you know, he, he, after like two weeks of me not getting the job done, he hit me up and he's like, he's like, all right. So he's like, so what is it, bro? He's like, I know you. He's like, you, you don't like to do anything that's not of your, that's not, in your energy he's like so what's going on with this and i'm like honestly man i'm like it's just not me it's not me to do to do things in that way i'm like that's i you know i'm i'm the creative i'm here to take care of energetic alignment and 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 to create content mm. but when he when we just sat in that space of accepting that that's not me then we kind of had like a brainstorm session and synchronistically one of my friends rebecca came in the picture and realized that she would be perfect for that job mm. and so the thing that i hated to do is the thing that she's most passionate about doing. And so it just let, it, it, it's, it, as soon as I let go of the thing that I thought I needed to do, then all of a sudden life came in and it's like, here's magic. Here's someone who wants to do it. Wow. You know, and, 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 this, and this is just the flow that I've always seen in my life, you know, and this is the flow that I could, you know, I could pinpoint in other people's lives. So it's really just, it, it's that willingness of being, of, of just trusting that, you know, if you align with more of yourself, you know, life will give you more things that'll complement yourself. Mm. Yeah, man. And I bet there's a lot of people who are, who are going to hear that and be like, oh man, I want to be there. And so, so what would you say is just the first step, like the first bite-sized step to starting to live that way and, and leading with your essence? Feel like versus have to. Mm -hmm. That is the most simple thing. And you know what, here, I'll, I'll give a real quick 
story that'll encapsulate it and, and make it real simple for people. Because, you know, ultimately the goal, if I was to give a goal is, would be to live your life purely through excitement constantly. Whereas every moment that you can, when you don't know what to do, just simply choose to focus on the thing that contains the most excitement. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the goal. But if you're not there yet, I remember there was a day where I woke up in the morning and right away my mind was like, oh, I'm like, okay, I have to, I have to do this. I have to respond to these emails. I have to do these chores and this, that, and the other, you know, but when I stopped and I was like, wait, what do I feel like doing though? And, and mind you, I had lots of deadlines. I had, you know, clients, all that stuff. But I, when I stopped, I'm like, what do I feel like doing? The answer that most came to me is like, I really just feel like putting on an episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and... <laughs> eating a bowl of cereal and just laughing. And although it's, and, and it sounds counterintuitive, but because it was my feel like I went with it. So I put on the episode, I watched Fresh Prince. It brought more joy in my system. I laughed, I felt good. And then now I really didn't feel like doing my work. And so I, I asked myself again, I'm like, what do I feel like doing? I'm like, well, I just feel like going for a nice walk. It's a nice day in here in Montreal, which is rare. So I listened to my feel like again. I went for the walk and just walking in the sun, I began to like soak up gratitude and good vibes and whatnot. And then as I started to connect to myself more and more, I got to this peak state where I got inspiration. I got hit with inspiration. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I could do this for my work. And then all of a sudden I felt like doing what I had to do. So my, my have to turned into mm-hmm. a feel like because I followed the path of feel like, you know, whereas had I done my work in the beginning, I wouldn't have approached it with the same quality of myself. I wouldn't have approached it with the same quality of inspiration. Mm. That's beautiful, man. And, and I like that because it feeds right into another uh, belief system I've heard of just making sure your cup is full. And filling your cup is all about yep. what are the things you need to do for yourself that will allow you to operate at your highest capacity. Um, because those are the things we sell out first because of the have-tos, like you said. I mean, I've got like a thousand have-tos in my head <laughs> that, that, that I don't want to oh. do before the, before the feel-likes. Yeah, that's it, man. So, I mean, ultimately, like, for me, the, the goal is, I mean, uh, well, th- the goal that I would share for others is to get to a point where your whole entire life is feel-likes. Mm. You know, like, you, you wake up and it's, what do I feel like? And your feel-like will, you know, will just become more and more intuitive, whereas you're you're still getting things done. It's not like, you know, because there are times where you feel like being creative and you feel like dealing with clients and you feel like, you know, and there's times where you just feel like watching Fresh Prince. <laughs> <laughs> and it, what's interesting about that is I, I definitely have moments where I'm like, I feel like putting on an episode of my favorite show or I feel like just checking out and watching a movie and being entertained. And that feel like of like that, the feel like for watching something on Netflix doesn't last all day. <laughs> At some point, I'm like, all right, I'm done with that. I mean, there's there may be some days where I'm sick or something like that, or I've been like doing a lot. I just need to tune out for longer. But I, I don't think yeah. anybody really feels like just watching Netflix all day long for several days in a row. So th- that, I think, is kind of the antidote for that worry that I'm just going to become a couch mm-hmm. potato, you know? Yeah, and you, I think you actually touched on something super important, man, whereas like to do the feel like versus have to thing, you have to be willing to be very, very honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, in the sense that, you know, because of course there, there are people who are going to be like, all right, well, I just feel like watching next Netflix all night where, you know, whereas, you know, they're actually, you know, deeper inside, they're wanting to reach out for help. That's what they really feel like doing or deeper inside. They're wanting to go and perform their first magic trick, you know, whatever it is, you know, so it's like it's being honest with yourself with what that feel like is, even if you're afraid of it. Mm. You know, so that way, so you don't you don't you don't replace feel like with filler. Whew. Give me chills over here, man. That's that's butter right there. That's real talk. 
Good stuff. That's how we do. That's how we do on the Rising Man podcast. All right, man. Cool. Well, I already have blasted through the time we said we were going to do this for. So I, I want to honor your time and just say, well, you know, we'll, we'll capture some more wisdom in the future for sure. Um, Definitely. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah. Len, before you go, let me ask you some really quick rapid fire questions just to sure. round it out. Um, what is one thing that you know now that you wish you learned when you were 18 years old? Oof. Okay, wait, where was I when I was 18? When I was 18, I wish I better understood how love works. I wish, in the sense that I wish I understood that love wasn't a possession and that, you know, that insecurities and attachment wasn't love and that controlling and all that stuff wasn't, I wish I, I, wish I understood love better, mm. you know, so that I wouldn't cause myself and others the emotional pain that I did. Mm. Beautiful, man. That's a powerful one. And then uh, let's let's kind of loop all the way back. Uh, what do you think it means to be a man? Now that we've had this whole conversation, is there any more clarity on that initial question about boy and man and what it means to be a man? Yeah, you know what? <laughs> the first thing that, that came to me when you said that is, you know, I, I feel like the man is, is is the part of you that represents your willingness, you know, um, you know, you know, because I feel like your boy is, is that essence, that playful you that just leads the way that's creative, whereas the man part of you is the part of you that's willing, that has to be willing to be honest with yourself about who you are and what you want and what you need and what's important and what your priorities are, you mm. know, so that you can be in alignment with your essence. Mm. I like that one, man. I, li- I like that. I think that captures everything that you shared uh, on this episode up to now. Yeah. Um, but I still don't know. But I still don't know. And I still don't know. <laughs> well, that's good. I, I don't trust people who know it all. So <laughs> that's it. That's it. I maintain, I maintain my not knowing. <laughs> Right on, brother. Well, then last but not least, um, how can people follow you? Where can we find you on the socials and learn more about what you're doing and possibly work with you? Um, yeah, the easiest way to find me is just by typing in my name pretty much anywhere. David Lyon, Lyon like the animal, whether it be on Google, YouTube, Facebook or Instagram. Um, my craft is called Lionism, Lion like the animal, ism like Buddhism, uh, just because it's my way of life. So they could type that in anywhere as well. Uh, Instagram and YouTube are my main platforms. And also, uh, I would love if people checked out my new website that I made by myself, which I highlight because it's not super fancy, <laughs> called <laughs> livingmagic.life, which is all about helping people discover where magic meets life and how to live more in flow. Livingmagic.life. All right, you guys heard that. Go, go check it out. Uh, honor this man and, and acknowledge this wisdom that he's got. Because if you've, if you've listened through this whole episode, you know that we just... It was just the tip of the iceberg of what David has to That's bring it. in. Thank you. Thank yeah, you so we're, much. We're going to need a round two, bro. No doubt, man. I'm already ready to put it on the books. <laughs> Dope, um, brother. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. Thank you for everything you brought, man, for taking the time. And until next time, bro, keep doing the good work out there. Always, man. Likewise. Thank you again, bro. I wasn't lying when I said to you guys, this is one of my favorite episodes. I really enjoyed digging in with David and getting his perspective on so many things, specifically this discussion of the shadow. Because I know in my life, I've always been the type of person to be optimistic, to live in the, the sunshine, so to speak, to look for the brighter side of things. And I've learned as an adult that it was has been so much more powerful to acknowledge that I have a shadow side to myself, a, a yang side to myself, a darker side to myself that has so much rich content, so much brilliant wisdom that I get to tap into and implement in my life. 
and that there's a different distinction for shadow, that it's not necessarily an evil shadow. I think shadow catches a bad rap and I love how David spun a different perspective on it. So I hope that lands for you guys. I wanna hear how this entire episode landed for you guys. So make sure that you go and check out the show notes with links and resources over at the Rising Man Podcast. Please subscribe, leave a review, snap a screenshot of your review and send it to me or tag me in it. However you want to do it. Send it to the rising man podcast at gmail.com and you will get a special, 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 special invitation from me to have. uh, Actually, I'm not going to reel it. I'm not going to tell you what it's about, but there's a special opportunity coming up. I'm keeping track of all of you guys who have sent me comments, who have really let me know what this podcast, what this content material has meant to you. You got a special one coming your way. I'm just putting it together behind the scenes. So stay tuned Um, because this really helps us reach other men. I know I say this every week, but from the bottom of my heart, you guys, my mission is really to empower millions of men across the world. And this is just the beginning. So I need your help in getting the message out to as many men as possible, whether that's inviting a man into the Rising Man Facebook group, sending an episode, sharing an episode of the podcast, putting an episode of the podcast up on your Facebook wall and tagging a few of your buddies in it. There's so many different ways that take under three minutes that you could inspire another man to listen to this material and get the same benefit, the same value out of it that you did. So please do that because it supports everything that we're creating here in this Rising Man movement. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, if you need a little more support, if you need some, if you want to have a chat with me one-on-one just to discuss where you're at in your life and how you might be able to move the needle forward, just send me a message on Facebook. Send me an email, jettyazuma at gmail.com. More than happy to connect with you. And if I'm not the resource, I guarantee you I can lead you towards someone or something that will help you get to that next level. So make sure you do that today. Take action on behalf of yourself. Last but not least, reach out to us on Instagram at the Rising Man Pod and at Jetty Azuma. Sean Offenbach over at Less Than Three Records at Less Than the Number Three Records is the magician behind the scenes. He is, you know, the he, he's my magician that I've got behind the curtains. We just talked to David for about an hour, but Sean is the wizard that makes these episodes sound amazing, and he turns these episodes around in just a week's time. So, Sean, mad love to you, bro. You're doing a great job. Thank you for making this podcast everything that it is. And until next time, everybody, rise up and claim your destiny.